Hello everyone and welcome on Women Abroad, the podcast that invites young professional women to share their experience abroad and reveal the wonderful women behind these stories. My name is Françoise Fallis. I'm a certified executive intercultural and life coach and trainer. I've lived and worked as an expatriate for more than 12 years in Egypt, Morocco and Nigeria twice, and I currently live in Luxembourg. I meet young women who are studying or starting their careers abroad and hear from them about their discoveries, culture shock and the personal and professional challenges they face. What surprises, amuses, even fascinates them? How does their experience open up new perspectives and reveal new things about themselves? If you are curious about living and working internationally, this podcast will inspire you to consider new horizons. Women abroad, be inspired by women who find their true selves living abroad. For my 17th episode of Women Abroad, I'm pleased to introduce you to Diana Arrojo. As a student in architecture, she first left Portugal, her native country, to follow an Erasmus program in Flanders, northern Belgium. After some time of adjustment, she then decided to start a professional life and settle in Belgium. With her, we will explore notions of stability, time or double personality, and the comparisons she makes between Belgian and Portuguese culture. Let's now listen to her discoveries about Belgian culture. Hello, Diana. Hello, Françoise. Uh, thank you for the invite to speak in your podcast. I hope that you're doing good and welcome on my podcast, Women Abroad with me, Françoise Fallis. I'm pleased to host you today. And your Instagram page called Like a Belgian has not come unnoticed and you have already posted 166 cartoons, giving us a very interesting insight into your perception of Belgian culture from your residence place in the city of Ghent, located in northern Belgium. You are a Portuguese architect living in Ghent and you describe yourself as just an expat trying to understand Belgian culture. I like your modesty and your bringing Belgian culture into perspective. But let's start by the beginning of your story abroad. How did it all start and what was your motivation to come to Belgium? Well, so everything started uh, in 2016. And uh, I was studying architecture in Portugal and I, I had a Belgian colleague in my class and he started telling me wonders about your country and about studying architecture here in Ghent. And uh, basically I had two options. My first option at the time was to go to Italy uh, and the second option in my mind would be to come to Belgium. But once I started digging more into the, the way of studying in, uh, in uh, Belgium and in Ghent, uh, and the focus, so here in Belgium people are more worried about the sustainability, uh, while in Italy it's more about the restoration and rebuilding the heritage. Uh, I thought that the master here in Ghent it would be the, the best option for me. So uh, I decided to spend uh, the last year of my master doing an Erasmus at Caillou uh, Leuven here in Ghent, and I think it was the best decision that I, <laughs> that I ever made. That's great to hear. And what was your first impression when you arrived? Did you struggle 
with, I don't know, did you have a culture shock when you arrived in Belgium? Well, I had visited Belgium before, but uh, mainly Brussels. And uh, the first impact was that Ghent was totally different from the capital. So everyone says that the capital of this country doesn't really represent, then, for example, what we find in Flanders or Wallonia. So that was the first surprise. Uh, but then, of course, I think I had a certain cultural shock that all the other internationals also had. But I think the, the differences are bigger if you are coming from the south. So people from Portugal, Spain and Italy would be uh, experiencing the same problems. Uh, well, like people from Germany or Holland, they would not see things in the same way as us. So since our basic schedules of living, since our meals, our way of uh, facing social interactions, everything was quite different. And I would say that uh, the first six months were to adapt and then the last six months were to enjoy. <laughs> I'm grateful that I spent a year here. Do you take the difference in climate into account? I mean, in the differences you see between the southern Europe and the west or northern Europe? I can tell you that um, I think that's the worst we didn't experience on Erasmus because when it's winter, it's winter everywhere. And okay, if it's cold, we are all staying in our own places. But the problem is from May to October, when we are used to already have some nice weather and to be like warm outside and to meet everyone on the terraces and uh, having all of these kind of outdoor activities then it's hard for us to know that our families are having 30 degrees and going to the beach and that here in Ghent it's 20 degrees and raining from June to September. That was the hard part. I actually had a, a Spanish colleague and she said, yeah, she was from Mallorca, and she said, yeah, on a rainy day we don't leave our houses. And here I had to learn that if I would let weather stop me from doing something, I would not do anything. <laughs> during the winter here in Belgium. So in that sense, I, I find that people here are more resilient. And uh, if they have plans, they just stick to it, even if it's snowing or raining or, I don't know, <laughs> a huge storm outside. That's the main difference. I think we are more sensitive. I like this idea of being resilient. In interesting. And how were you hosted by your peer students when you integrated the architecture course? Yeah, I have to say that there was um, a huge gap, I would say, between the people from Belgium and the people from abroad. And um, the only Belgian friends that I made at the time, basically, they they had to interact with me because it was mandatory on the class to have two international students. Because otherwise, uh, the feeling that we have here is that people, they already grew up with their friends, like the friends that they have since they are five or six or ten in, uh, in school. And then they don't really feel the need to open up to people from abroad. But in a sense, I kind of understand if they know that we are staying here for six months or a year, maybe they think it's not worth the investment of, uh, okay, letting someone into your bubble to then lose that person again. For example, I think uh, we are more open in Portugal, so if someone new arrives, you just say, come to our house, let's throw a party, bring whoever you want. And here, it's more like a process until you win the trust uh, of the other person. So once you break into that bubble, <laughs> you should stay for a while, otherwise, uh, then it's it's too late to enjoy, I would say. But um, 
You yeah, need to I, you need to break the ice. It takes it yeah. takes longer. You think? It takes it takes longer, but and I build trust, as you broken, said. Then you can really trust these people, and they will support you. And it's uh, I would say that now I have true friendships here in Belgium, uh, and that people are normally always polite, so we have no problems with politeness on the streets or on campus. Uh, just that, yeah, the interactions are, are a bit different. The way of expressing ourselves or how loud we speak or how we show our emotions. Uh, I had a friend, a Belgian friend, that he said that the first time that someone asked him straightforward about his emotions was a, a Italian girl that was living with him. And he said that they never had such an experience of being confronted with how are you feeling, but how are you really feeling, telling me about yourself. Because here, yeah, I don't know if you're taught to keep your emotions to yourself or what happens, but for us, it's not showing um, a sign of weakness. It's just saying, yeah, I'm not having a bad, uh, good day, so yes. I would like to talk about it. Okay, I understand. And what do you think you you needed to do to build this trust? Because it's it seems to be very important to make friends. As it's, it seems to be harder than in, in your country where they are more naturally spontaneous, open their house and come come home and have a dinner with us. Here it, it takes place differently. I think here it's quite essential to learn the language. Um, because, for example, even my, my boyfriend is Belgium. He has Belgian friends. Everyone knows how to speak English. But I know that naturally people will slide into their their native language. So it's easier for me if I say, uh, maybe you can speak your own language and I will keep up and then I will start uh, entering into your conversation. Uh, but if you are trying to join and you are not even making the effort of understanding what's happening or showing that you really want to be part of this country, I think then it's harder to be part of, uh, of the group. Yes, and that's that's what made you decide to study Dutch. I'm learning for a year and a few months now. And uh, first, I understood it was necessary for my job. Um, that was the first point. Then the second point is actually, I think it's a nice way of proving that I'm really trying to integrate and that I want to stay. Because otherwise, I think it's very easy to people to think that Oh, if you're an international, then probably you just want to skip from one, uh, jump from one country to the other, and you don't really have roots. But if you show that you're actually learning a language like Dutch, that it's not a language that you learn in a few months, it really implies that you're making a commitment of taking two days per week or three days, several hours. You wouldn't do that for, for nothing. And so you show interest for their culture too and for them, yeah. and so it opens doors. Yeah, and, and the uh, Dutch classes, they also uh, teach us about the Belgian culture. They introduce like Belgian songs, Belgian lyrics, uh, all types of, uh, of artists. So we start getting to know what's happening. And that also helps you to connect. For example, even last week, there was a song that uh, was introduced to us in our class. And I just start asking about it in the office and everyone was like singing because they knew it and they said it was famous and that they were singing since they were kids. So suddenly we were already clicking on something. So you really, you really proved that you're making some effort towards them. So it's very, very important. I think when, when moving abroad, it's the person who arrives with the newcomer who needs to make the effort 
it it rarely goes the other way around. Exactly. You are quite alone, and they are a big group. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's it's uh, weird to be, for example, on the tram or on the train, and when you don't understand the language, you just hear all these sounds. But uh, it's like you are in a different bubble or in a different world, and then. Once you start understanding the meaning of those sounds, then it's like, okay, I'm finally engaging in life. Because otherwise you're just living in a different universe or, I don't know, yes, kind of a parallel situation. I understand, I understand. And what made you decide to stay to stay longer? Is it your boyfriend? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it is a more complicated story. So uh, uh, after finishing my Erasmus, I decided to go back to Portugal because I wanted to do my internship there and I, I wanted to give a, a chance to my country and see uh, what it would mean to be an architect in Portugal. So I stayed there for two years in Lisbon. Uh, but the reality was that I was working there and thinking about everything that I learned here in Ghent and uh, I felt that I was taking a step back. So the entire year of my studies uh, here in Ghent People were telling me about sustainability and about how it is so urgent to take action and how uh, we should be uh, yeah, the force that is now changing all the architecture scenario. Uh, so you mean then, a step back in terms of sustainability or do you mean something else? A step back, in, yeah, in terms of I went to Lisbon and we were not applying anything of the things that I, I learned here. So it's like you learn what should you do and what should be your next step towards a more sustainable future. But then you go to a place where there are there is no support, uh, for example, to invest in more sustainable houses. The people, they don't have the ability or yeah, economic ability to do it. Also, the offices cannot be so worried about it because they have other issues. And um, yeah, there the main uh, the main idea of sustainability is putting a green roof or a solar panel at the end of your project. While here in Belgium, you see that it's you have to rethink your whole life around sustainability. For example, uh, I went to an exhibition the other day here on the Design Museum, and they were showing how the new Design Museum of Ghent uh, is gonna have bricks that are made. Uh, with um, garbage, so they are going to produce uh, bricks. Uh, part of those bricks, they are made with the garbage that is collected around Ghent, so then they will be made spe specifically for this project, and then it's going to be a more sustainable That's uh, quite building. innovative. Yeah, very innovative, and you have several uh, offices here in, in Belgium that are trying to develop new techniques and then to produce their own materials and uh, to use them in this kind of new types of buildings. And I think, yeah, if I would wait for this to happen in Portugal, I would have to wait uh, way longer. So it would be 2050 <laughs> when it's already too late. And uh, I kind of wanted to <laughs> to join the force, let's say. So you you, you stayed for, for that reason. And um, well, and a good way for you to create interaction with, with local people and possibly make friends was to launch a series of cartoons you post on Instagram. Could you tell us more about them and what they brought to you? Yes. So um, the idea of the Like a Belgian, everything started with COVID. I would say that a lot of projects started with COVID when you are alone and you have all this time to think. Um, and to invest in something of your own. So 
naturally, since I studied here, that everyone comments these types of things, that how Belgians were different or what were the differences between your home country and your new country. And there was this day that I just said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a list because this is too much. And uh, sometimes I felt that I was not being understood because if you're, yeah, I was just surrounded by Belgian people at the time. Uh, it was people from my office and all my friends were in their own places, the international ones. I could not talk about it. So I started drawing my small issues or my small comments about what I was seeing around me. And it was very surprising to see how many people were actually agreeing and sending me messages and commenting and saying, oh my God, I had this problem with my in-laws. I just uh, married a uh, Belgian man and we are always arguing about this. And then finally, I think they were using my cartoons as a proof that they were also not the only ones to complain about something or to notice that something was different. So to go, and, and to some extent, to go out of your isolation and you yes. you feel that you, well, others share the same, the same worries or the same concerns. I think that even some Belgians thought that we were weird Belgians, but maybe we are just more kind of a Southern spirit because they realized something that I was drawing that it was typically from Belgium and they didn't feel that they were fitting in so they thought yeah maybe we fit in better with people from abroad so it's also nice to show that uh, people are always also getting richer I think culturally they are learning about what's happening around them. You explored particularly if I remember the last one uh, you were exploring the idea of, of, of stability what it means mm -hmm. actually uh, would you like to talk about it? Yes Uh, I think it's a, a good idea. That that was a post that uh, it went uh, viral in like one hour. Uh, and I received many, many messages and comments. So the idea is that uh, we notice when we arrive in Belgium that a lot of people, like when they are 25, they already have a house. They have a girlfriend for 10 years or a boyfriend for 10 years. They have the dog. They have the job. They have everything. And that was uh, kind of scary for us because people from Portugal or from Spain, I don't know, we grow up in a way that we are told that oh, you're going to have to study, then you're going to have to uh, battle a lot or go abroad to find a job. It's very hard to think of a, a concept of stability. Then we also know that in our countries, we are the last ones to leave our parents' house. Like you have the statistics from the European Union. And it's in the South, you stay with your parents until you're 30. Partially because... You are part of the exception. <laughs> yeah, I'm part of the exception, but uh, it was also... yeah. If I would have all the conditions that I wanted to do architecture in Portugal, I would be there and I would be very happily close to my family, but still traveling to northern cultures. But uh, I think there are two things. Uh, we are very connected to family, but then there are the economical reasons that also makes us stay at home to save money. So for us to arrive in a country and seeing successful people with 25 years and not having to worry if uh, they can get a credit or something. It's very different. And even in terms of commitment, I think we are not ready for that commitment because we don't have to think about the issue. We believe that when you're 30, we're going to solve it. And here suddenly we are faced with people that are ready to settle and to, to already have established life. Would you say that it's a way to avoid risk? I don't know. 
I, yeah, I see a lot of very committed in love couples, for example, but I think we grow up or like what we are taught in my country is more like, oh, you need to get to know yourself, you're too young, you should explore, you should meet a lot of people. And by meeting a lot of people, then you're going to kind of meet yourself also. So I think now I'm 27 and I'm starting to feel like, okay, I kind of already understand my personality. It's been more stable the past uh, two or three years. But uh, if they would tell me uh, at 15, you're going to stay with your boyfriend for 10 years or for the rest of your life. And at 25, you're going to buy a house. I would say no, because we are more raised in terms of, okay, go to the best job opportunity. If that's in Belgium or Amsterdam or New York, you just uh, keep fighting for the next thing. So it's a different attitude. But I understand that people in Belgium, if you have everything in your country, like why would you leave? If you have good job opportunities, that, that's a mindset. I think that's uh, that's a mentality, and uh, trying to assure every step before taking any any risks. And stability is a, a big thing in Belgian culture. I think. And planners, I like. We all feel that here everything is very well planned and organized and scheduled. While for us, it's more like okay, let's meet around eight on Friday. And then it's always more or less a place, more or less a time, more or less an idea or a concept. And here it's like, no, it's at six uh, on the 26th of March, 2022. And there's less spontaneity, I feel. Yes. Everything is very controlled. Yeah, you have a lot of flexibility in, in the management of time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in Belgium, you stick to the time you fix. Exactly. And for me, that's, kind of stressful <laughs> I, have to say. Like, I think it's one of the main differences between me and my my boyfriend is that he really follows the schedule and he needs to follow it to the list while I'm more kind of fluid I do what I feel in the moment I like to have plans but also be able to break them so <laughs> it's a bit uh, a different attitude towards life I, I made also the post about the double life and it's always a, an issue if we are becoming more of the new country than we are from our native country because obviously with the passing of the years it starts uh, matching the habits of the people who are around you or the routines and uh, suddenly you don't realize that you are different until you go back to your own country and people tell you what are you doing what are you wearing we don't understand what you're saying so Sometimes we have these uh, questions of uh, double life or double personality. That's also one a topic of one of your cartoons, a double personality. You're no longer really the same when you come back to your own country. And so your roots and your hearts are in two different places. Yeah, I think uh, that that is the hard transition because... I talked with other other expats here and they all say the same, that they like to believe that they have this double life. So, ah, oh, yes, I have my friends back home, I have my family, my cat or my dog, and uh, whenever I want, I go there. And that we try to keep this uh, line of communication through the social media and WhatsApp and everything. But in reality, we are missing. We are missing it all. So if I count the days that I spent in Portugal like this year, you know, like five or six and or just a bit more and then I think yeah actually I'm not there so I have the feeling that I'm close to my family but I'm missing a lot 
and then you realize, no, I'm, I'm living in Belgium, I'm having a Belgian life, and uh, the rest is almost just holidays. So uh, that's the, the hard part. It's, uh, but on the other hand, it gives you a very a broader perspective on things and on life. Yes, like I, I don't regret being here. I really like being here. But I think everyone that goes to another country then has this illusion or idea, I will go back or maybe just for a few years. And then you, you get in contact with the stories of people who are like here for 30 years. And then they are like, ah, but they've been telling for like 20 that we're going to go back. But then, um, yeah, it makes you think about, uh, about your life. Are there things you missed from Portugal? Oh, people, of course. I, I always say that home is where my family is. So obviously, if I could have my family here, uh, I think the biggest struggle uh, it would not uh, exist anymore. But of course, it's... Sometimes I feel that I'm in an alien country, like I look around and if I really, if I sit on a terrace and I look at the scenario, at the weather, at the people, everything is different. And uh, I think people sometimes go through life with this kind of foggy vision around them. They just go to work, they come back, but they are not paying attention. But uh, when you are in a different place and if you do this exercise then uh, then you realize your surroundings and it's kind of a reality check like if i think about where i where i'm from like the architecture is different the public spaces the way people move and talk and i, I think sometimes that I, i just miss, miss the loudliness of people like screaming on the streets or trying to sell you something or like being spontaneous and screaming from the inside of the cafe For example, in Brussels, I noticed, or I would notice when I would find a Portuguese cafe because you'd see all these guys on the corner having their coffees outside, even if it was a, a very dark, gray day in Brussels. So you understand that the behaviors, and then if you detect the behavior of this, like in Brussels, you would know that it's part of your culture. It's, uh, it's funny. That's, that's quite interesting that you notice these differences in two, in two cities in Belgium. Did you visit other cities, did uh, other places in Belgium? Yes, I've. Uh, I, yeah, since I'm trying to integrate, I'm trying to explore uh, as much as I can. So uh, obviously, Brussels, um, Ghent, Antwerp, Leuven, then Kortrijk, uh, and I also went to the coast, of course. But the coast, yeah. I have to say that a lot of Belgians would tell me, "Ah, you should not go to the Belgian coast after having the Portuguese coast." But uh, <laughs> because it's have, different. Yeah, it's different. And um, I thought it was a, a nice uh, experience because, for example, in my mind, everything that is from the north, it would be super cold. But I, I went to the, to the sea and uh, it was not as cold as I thought. And people told me, oh, you're so optimistic. And I'm like, no, because in my imagination, it was going to be so cold that it was not so bad. So you just need to put things into perspective. Interesting. And in the south of Belgium, have you been yet? Uh, in the south of Belgium, I've uh, I've been there for yeah to see the snow. <laughs> uh, so I went to the Ardennen, uh, Saint Hubert, uh, last uh, last winter, and um, I was kind of in love. So I would like to go back because uh, we we don't grow up with uh, this interaction with the snow, and I think it's quite magical and something to appreciate. So. That's why I say that winter is not hard in Belgium if you like these little things. 
Yes, you need to adjust, you need to get used to it, I mean. Sustainability is a very important topic and something you'd like to focus on. And as an architect and as a woman, what, according to you, could be your contribution for more sustainability? Uh, well, yeah, I have to say that uh, these topics can be worked separately. But uh, yeah, if you have a person that has both interests, then it's easier. But uh, I have to say that a woman alone, I don't believe that I can have an impact. So it's nice to have the support or the support of other people and to have other women present. And uh, I think that's uh, something that I noticed that there are a lot of offices or architecture offices that they are not so well represented by, by women. So uh, it would be easier to have a more balanced working environment uh, because the, the concerns that we have Our, or our views about the world are completely different than the, the views that the man has, and uh, it has been even it was even on the on the news um, last month I think here in Belgium in one of the magazines there was this article uh, talking about the street security and you always have these issues of harassment like public harassment and uh, how the design of the cities can be different and uh, for example in the way It's, you know, lighten your streets or you make entrances to public buildings or you prepare like the uh, places where women have, for example, to wait for public transports. All of these things can be worked on in a way that they will be, they will feel safe while they are alone outside. And uh, it was also on the Brussels Times, uh, an article that I read recently in which they wanted to invest in more uh, public toilets for women in Brussels because they realized something that it's very visible that uh, men, they have all these urinals throughout the cities where they can just go every five minutes. And for you as a woman, you have to wait or you have to find the perfect spot or you have to pay somewhere else to go. Uh, and I, I never understood, like, why do you, my friend, think that you cannot wait five minutes so you have to go there? And me as a woman, I need to grow thinking, oh, I need to find a cafe or buy something or eat something, and then I will be safe to go. And I thought it was a very smart move of the city of Brussels to say, let's invest uh, in these uh, public toilets for women, and also saying you have your special needs throughout your month and that you need a place to go. So there are all these concerns that men are not going to think about. That's interesting. And did you notice any any differences between Portugal and Belgium in the way women are accepted? Well, it could be in a wide range of roles they can take at work or in the society. I, I think my experience is uh, yeah, very little to compare since I was in an office in uh, Portugal and in an office in Belgium. So it's more about reading these policies that I become aware if people are paying attention or not. So I also know that there's this uh, Institute of uh, Architects Women in Flanders, I think. And that's something that, uh, that I know of until now. It doesn't exist uh, in Portugal. Maybe I missed it if it's something that is still, uh, still growing. Uh, but I think it's kind of a, a problem in general. I actually also asked, like, why don't I see more women working in Belgium as architects? And there's there's uh, the issue of uh, the majority of the architects, they work as independents. 
So if you are working as an independent and you think that, for example, you want to become a mom, and then the, then the statues of being an independent, it's not the best for you because you're not going to get all the support. And then if you're not working, you're not getting paid. But if you are pregnant and you want to have a kid and then you need to stay at home, all these things are going to have an impact. So I was told that a, a lot of women then at that time of their lives, they uh, choose to do something else. So I think that is an issue that uh, people need to think about. Otherwise, it's it's not fair. If in five years I think, oh, now I want to be a mom and suddenly I'll have to find either yeah, one company that will give me a contract that apparently it's not so common here or to change to do something else. And then again, you are not represented. Mm. And um, do you find many women uh, entrepreneurs as architect who starts their own business in, in Belgium and in Portugal, if you had to compare? I think from Portugal, you you know, like one or two women who have their name on the office. Uh, and then here in Belgium, actually on this article uh, that came public with the Knack magazine, I think, then you had a set of offices led by women and telling their stories. And I think it was very inspiring because sometimes it's a bit frightening. If you are surrounded by men, you go to a construction site also surrounded by men. It's easier for you to feel that you're not fitting in. But then if you have all these role models, then you maybe... Why shouldn't you fit in? <laughs> it's, it's uh, I think, our presence, our way of talking, our way of behaving, even our way of dressing. I would say everything is so different. And my, for example, my international friends, people from India, from Italy, everyone was uh, talking about the same, that when my friends, my female friends, They were trying to leave construction sites back home that the men, they would not follow their orders. And when their boyfriends were there, then the boyfriends would have to say, uh, who's in charge is Emilia or is Gracia. Uh, so you need to pay attention to what the girls are saying. And then the men would follow their orders. But, but until the macho men arrived, uh, they would not care about the female presence. Would it also be a question of age and experience? they would consider you as more credible if you are older and you already got some experience? Or do you think it's a question of being a woman? Uh, I can say that um, me, myself, I understand if uh, someone thinks, oh, she's only 25, so she will not know. But then on the other side... I see so many male friends that have the same position as me and uh, the same experience or less, but maybe they just look more confident and then people, they just believe in everything they say. So if, the, if they would complain about the same thing, uh, then it would just be about age. But then I don't know. But again, I question a lot life. So I'm like, is it me uh, thinking about being a woman because I'm a woman or am I seeing things? And that's why I really like to do comics, uh, explain what I'm thinking, uh, help, uh, w waiting for feedback. That's what I, what I always write. It's like, this is my perception. Is your perception similar to mine? Because sometimes we are in this bubble and we have thoughts and then maybe we start getting all these other feedback and we understand now maybe this was just something that happened in a specific day, but it's not uh, something that I can generalize. Or then you discover, I know, it's a, it's a real issue. Mm. Did you also receive feedback from Belgians 
on your I, cartoons. <laughs> I, I received the feedbacks from several Belgians. Uh, I think right now 50, it's 50-50. So 50% of the people who follow me are from abroad and the other 50 are, are from Belgium. And um, normally what they have to say is that it's interesting to see their culture through someone else's eyes. Uh, sometimes they realize things about their country that they never noticed or they didn't know it was special. So you raise their awareness. That's nice. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important raising awareness. But yeah, my idea is, is really just to, to have this platform to, to talk and to draw. Like, um, I think if people would not comment and give, it, give their feedback, it would not be so interesting for me to just be me alone with my thoughts and drawings. Uh, and I think the the part of making people talk about their experiences and sometimes they are very personal what they comment or send me on messages then that's uh, that's the nice part. And, and did you notice any cultural biases Belgians add about Portuguese or other uh, foreigners studying in, in Belgium or working in Belgium? I have I have to say <laughs> that I noticed, uh, and it was. Uh, not so nice again this happened two or three times but uh just kind of the feeling that we people from the south were having that uh our belgian colleagues and some teachers they thought that uh, teaching in the southern of europe was easier and that we, we don't work as hard as they work here but um first that is not true so my answer at the time to this person who told me this was that i work as hard either I'm in Portugal or Belgium. And um, so you choose how much you want to work. And obviously you also have a lot of people partying here. I just think that we really accept that we are working hard when we are at university, but we are not afraid of then laughing and partying and uh, getting together. And here, if you're maybe if you're not showing this uh, straight face or if you're look like you're having fun the whole time, then they won't take it so seriously. So again, it's, it's kind of a personality. And, um, and you had the courage to move abroad. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, I remember that when we would have to pair up uh, with our Belgian colleagues, they were always trying to get people from London, people from Germany, people from these countries of the north. And then when they were stuck with me, there was a moment two months after in which they told me, Oh, you actually work well, but you're from Portugal. And, uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> problem. Also, because if they think that they are going on Erasmus to Portugal and Spain, that they will just party, but, uh, you can also do the same here. So it's your attitude that it's different. It's not the country that has a different education. And what do you like most about living in Belgium? Well, I think I really like um, how yeah, comfort is above all so I think people they don't really care about appearances or being always perfect I think you see that in the way of moving around the city of taking your bike of being practical of bringing your backpack and uh, not having to carry all these purses or going home and like it can be snowing outside, but the most important part is the comfort of your house. So you notice how Belgian people invest so much in the interior. So you have amazing 
shops of interior design, you have amazing designers and everything is made for the comfort of your home. And even in terms of fashion, you see that amazing fashion is done, but I think it's done in a way that you're always comfortable in the way that you're wearing and not so much just like a, a tiny skirts or these things that don't make you feel comfortable or just making you feel like kind of an object on the street. So I would say the comfort in Belgium. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that's certainly a source of inspiration for your future creations. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I think I've made yeah, maybe slight references to this topic, but uh, maybe I can draw one tonight still. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that could be. Yes, yes. yes thank you. <laughs> Um, probably you, you've grown and you've changed a lot since you, you left Portugal. And all your relationship with your family and, and your friends from Portugal evolved since you moved to Belgium. I think there were two different stages. Uh, so when you are an Erasmus student, student and you know that you're going to come back to your country, I think it's easier to keep these two lives and friends in both sides uh, and always thinking what is the next time that I'm going to see them. It's going to be in two months, we're going to meet and then in nine months it's over and we're back together. So that is one situation. But now that I'm here for two years, they know that I cannot be paying attention to everything because I know that I'm not a part of their lives anymore I'm just a part of their lives for a few days per year or in some cases I can only see my friends one day per year so I go there for Christmas we have a dinner we catch up and that's it so I think you need to accept that you have friends there that I know that if I would move back to Portugal they would support me again and they would be there for me every day but You need to think that you need to create your own new life here and to invest in your new friends because uh, otherwise you are just living virtually. But in terms of family, that's where we are trying to juggle more. So family just keeps trying to visit more. With COVID, it's a bit hard, but they, they book a flight every time that they can. And uh, I think the most important part is that if you're happy and if your family knows that you're happy or that you're doing the best for yourself, then they will also be in peace. If they will see me here like struggling or not being well treated or having problems with the country, they will tell me to come back. But because they know that I would not have this life uh, back in Lisbon, yeah, they, then they would, uh, they would not approve. But so like, they're very supportive. Yes, very that's, supportive. That's great. That's great. And what life lessons do you think um, is Belgium teaching you? Yeah, I think also to be a bit less selfish and to think more about the impact of my actions. Like it's in this situation of, for example, buying things and I see people thinking, oh, do I really need this? Uh But am I going to use it? Uh, do you need so much stuff? Like I just moved to a new place and I was almost embarrassed <laughs> when I, I was looking at the amount of shoes and coats and everything that I had. And uh, it's uh, it's just so different from this mentality here. Like uh, what people tell me is like, oh, you buy something nice or something better, but you don't buy that much. 
are you buy uh, local products and I see this uh, concern that people have like I see a lot of people going to the local markets here in Ghent on their bikes on Sunday or, or Saturday uh, this fair trade situation or to rethink what you need to have a nice life so in the end sometimes I think it's funny that I'm in a let's say wealthier country than Portugal but I feel that people in Portugal more easily spend their money than in Belgium. And my parents, they said, yeah, you move to a, a different country, but uh, you're very attached to your money. And I'm like, yeah, because now I really think, hey, do I need this or can I save or let's think about the future. And I'm still learning all the recycling situation. Mm. And in terms of, of self-development, how do you think you have grown as a person, as a, as a young woman? I think uh, you really need to believe that uh, you are doing a, a good job and that you have your value and that you are able to tackle any problems that you have. For example, I remember my biggest fear before coming here was what, hap what would happen if I, if I get sick when I'm alone? Because you are so used to be sick and then you go to your parents' places and your mom's going to make you soup and you don't have to worry about life. And for me, the hard part was to think, yeah, you're an adult when you're sick and you have to stay by yourself. And all of this happened with COVID. So suddenly I was trapped in a country and thinking, if something happens to me, my parents cannot fly. There are no flights. So I need to take care of myself. And I think now I'm finally confident that I'm not pretending to have an adult life, suddenly I'm having it. So that's the, the biggest development. If you're living close to your parents, you can be a Belgian living with your parents next to your house. You'll still have their support. But if I'm here and they're 2,000 kilometers away, I'm moving to a different house, I'm going to the hospital, I'm going to the accountant. Suddenly, if you have to go to the accountant, you you feel that you've grown too much. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You you develop your self-confidence. Yes. It doesn't mean that you you, you may still have self-doubts, but you, you, yeah. you have Sometimes grown. Sometimes I have yeah. them, but... Growing more independent. Yes, yeah. but you are n not no longer really alone in the country. You you are making some friends, and you are quite well adjusted. Now, yeah, I would say that I'm very that I'm very lucky with my with my bosses, my friends, and my boyfriend and his family. So, I believe that if you share your good energies, eventually the ice melts, and then everything is fine. Yes, it, it seems, it seems it's it's melting. So would you like to share any plans you would have for the future? What's, what's always in the back of my mind is uh, this, uh, this idea of developing more my art. So obviously it's hard to have ideas of cartoons and uh, illustrations that you would like to do and share and then only have like the end of the day or like between 9 and 10 in the afternoon and the evening to work. So I think my, my perfect plan would be to work half of my week in architecture and the other half to be able to just develop my own projects because I have so many ideas and then so little time to do it that uh, it's crazy. And that is my biggest issue right now is the, my to-do lists. Uh, all the ideas, all the projects, all the amazing things that I, I believe I can do, and then having the proper time and the rest of minds to do it when you need to be a working adult abroad. 
That's interesting. Yes, I understand. So, and we are so we are nearing the, uh, the end of this interview, and uh, I. As, as you may know, I have a recurring question I like to ask to all women I interview. And it is, what advice would you like to give to other students or early career women who are preparing themselves for an Erasmus program or an internship in a country of their choice so they can have the best of their experience abroad? The problem was that the first time that I came, I was still divided between two countries. It was like, really, I had my heart in one place and then my student body here and I, I, I would say that my advice is if you move somewhere else you really need to be with a, an open mind and an open heart and try not to linger too much with the, what's happening back in your country don't check the weather forecast uh, if you have a boyfriend it's going to be hard there <laughs> so it's really sure. understanding I'm going to a new country I need to be open to meet all these different people I'm going to be in uh, difficult situations or awkward situations, but I should still join. And uh, then in the end, you'll be adapting. But if you are moving to another country and keeping a calendar in your wall and checking the dates in which you're flying back constantly, then uh, that's going to mess your, your head. And that's, I, I, I've been through the both situations. So I had a calendar. I was looking at the days. There were weeks that seemed too long while I was here studying. Then I just wanted to go back. Uh, then if you have problems there, you always think, okay, in two months I'll be back to solve them. So you really need to be committed to your new life. And now now it's working well. So, so to, to, live, to live fully the, the present yes, moment. to live fully in the country where you in are. In the country. Other way, what's the point of moving abroad if you, well, if you are homesick all the time? And then you are just uh, filling the tasks for your university, but uh, that's not the point. The point of studying abroad is really to learn the culture and learn with other people, because it's not going to be the subject that is going to be that different. It's all the interactions around you. Well, <laughs> thank, thank you very much for, for this interview. I, I, enjoy, I really appreciated your enthusiasm and, and well, spontaneity and very sincere and direct way of expressing and explaining your your experience thank you very much for thank this you interview so well. <laughs> i was very happy to to help you and i hope that uh, maybe i can help someone who is listening to the to the podcast to take the next step and don't forget to watch and read her cartoons like a belgium follower on instagram <laughs> thank you thank you bye-bye diana bye thank you for following us in this episode Because an international experience can awaken incentives and reveal new aspects in women's identities, Women Abroad is the podcast that appeals to young women everywhere. Did you like this episode? Like it and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can also rate us and review us. Would you like to share your experience abroad? Whether you are a student an early career woman or a more experienced professional, contact me on my page women underscore abroad underscore on Instagram and women abroad on Facebook. You can also listen to the episodes on my website women-abroad-coaching.com. I wish you a great day and a bright life. Talk to you soon. <laughs>